I love Ready? starting a podcast, posting a <clears throat> IG story. That's a true millennial move. Millennial or Gen Z? I'm millennial, bro. But I mean, like, I feel like a Gen Z. It's very much Gen Z. Actually, no, I'd Gen be on Z TikTok if I was Gen Z. Uh, so, what oh. is what is your mess or what is your mission around <laughs> uh, fitness? What's your mission? Move well through life is like uh, something that we say. There's a quote from a gal called Ida Rolf. She found a thing called Rolfing Structural Integration. An interesting quote that she has that I like is the way that you walk through a room is the way that you walk through your life. And um, people in the modern era, you know, we do a lot of workouts, we do a lot of diets, we do all the things, but statistically speaking, we're still generally getting more obese each year, more anxious each year, more depressed each year. You know, hormones have been declining for, you know, decade after decade. So it's like, what the hell is going on? And the, what I suggest, and I'm not the only one, obviously, um, in the, you know, the Align Method book that I did or any of the programs or anything that I like am thinking about is what is the low hanging fruit that we're missing in our day to day lives, um, that we can just start to create subtle deviations in how we live our daily lives to start to fill in some of these gaps. And so what, some of those gaps are like, yeah, what is, what is the low hanging fruit? Uh, when we're in chairs all the freaking time. Yeah. It's like, you know, and then you go and you go and you do some, you know, powerlifting workout or Olympic lifting workout, or you go play pickleball if you're in Austin and you're cutting, you know, and you're potentially risking and suddenly you, you hurt your back or you pick up a pillow that was too heavy, you know, and you're like, Oh, oh God, like I'm down. And it's has nothing to do with the pickleball or the pillow or whatever. It's this slow, ongoing, repetitive aggregation of fairly um, compromised movement patterns throughout a you know our, our daily lives, and so it's a really like one simple solution would be cultures that spend time on the ground, uh, be like northern where it's been studied, be like northern Africa, eastern Mediterranean, Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. places of the sort. They have minimal to no incidence of osteoarthritis in the hips, in the knees, minimal pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, the adult diaper industry is exceeding that of the baby diaper industry in the United States. That's crazy. Like, we're, like that, so, we're, so that that's pelvic floor as it re- like, right? Like pelvic, yeah, pelvic floor, floor dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. So and then that's got and like then, flaccidity around our pelvic <clears throat> muscles. I think I heard you say um, as well in Chris's podcast that uh, injuries from falling. Yeah. Uh, fall risk. Fall risk is not really a thing in other cultures yeah, or, you, or less of a if thing. You get up and down off of the ground with regularity. The, you, there's no fall risk. It's not, there's not like, like, are you worried about just falling? No. In your daily life? No. It's not because you're, you're not. 70 or not 60 it's because you get up and down off of the ground and and you can get away with a lot more as a younger person um but what happens is as you as you know if you stop doing a movement for some amount of time you get an injury you know you 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 break your arm you're wearing a brace you're in that brace for x amount of time your muscles atrophy super quickly and those ranges of motion that a person naturally goes through to get up and down off of the ground atrophy and the joints start to essentially like um, almost like callus over, you could say, or like calcify over. And eventually you lack that range of motion. You create this gap between you and the ground. It gets bigger and bigger every day until eventually you can't do it anymore. And now you are a person that experiences something called fall risk. So the practical thing would be 
doing movements where you can regularly have like, that's why I love the burpee, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's silly as it is, like it doesn't even have to just be a burpee. It could just be like ground, lay down on ground, stand back up. That's what religious, that's like what Muslims do five times a day. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a health, it's, it's a health practice baked into culture. That five times they do the prayers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they prostrate the and they go through and they literally just go through this round over and over again of getting all the way down to the ground. And essentially doing like a um, what is it called? Like a like a a child's pose in yoga. Yes, you know. And then they get back up, and yeah. then they don't have hip and knee and issues and fall risk. You know, it's funny. You were like you're saying. <clears throat> you atrophy if you don't use something um and i was thinking i don't know why my mind went to this but in 40 year old virgin when he's like is it true if you don't use it you lose it you, have you seen that yeah and she's like is that a serious question but I, I that was the first thing i thought about you know if you don't use it you lose it and uh you ever do semen retention no no you want to talk about it yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> retaining your seed what what about so what so you just went okay. Let's go. I guess. I, I mean, I'm not a professional, <clears throat> uh, but it's it's interesting. I mean, there's things that a person can do. So that like some of the interesting, really not very scientific ideas, is that in each in each load you have about enough sperm to populate the United States. The United States population is like 350 million mm-hmm. in a load. It's like. I think it's like 250, 250 to 300 million. Yeah. Not me. I'm built different. I, <laughs> hey, you're I'm, built different. Yeah. So yeah. I'm at, I'm at like Chinese level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a billion. Are you a big load guy? <laughs> we are off to a great start. <laughs> I'd say average. I'd say average. Yeah. I saw Tom, Tom Segura is like, he was like, dude, it's a problem. How much? comes out as a that's like a continual thing he talks about would you rather have more less or are you like this is a sweet spot where i'm at whatever's the most fertile yeah. right whatever's the most well, I, I i've heard that it doesn't matter how much comes out it's about motility right yeah i i, I went through a, a process it didn't actually end up um happening but i went through a process of doing um, I think it's called in vitro fertilization. Mm-hmm. So I went through the whole thing of like measuring all my sperms, the motility, sperm counts, like all the stuff. Um, they, something interesting, interesting detail from that that I learned was you're not allowed to um, nut <clears throat> three days. It's like three to five days is the ideal window. So if you're nutting before you do your sperm mm-hmm. uh, donation, then it's like, no, your sperm is, it's going to be too low. And so the ideal time frame to have like maximal concentration of swimmers is like three to five days. And that also coincides with some of like the, the bro science research around testosterone spiking after about a week and then starting to plateau if you go no fap. And then that gets into like no fap, no fap and no porn. I think that's that's something that I heard. I don't know. So I was listening to a podcast recently. I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. I think that the no fap and no for, porn are conflated as one thing. Right. I think the issue is really when you're like chronically addicted to whacking it to porn. Yeah. Compared to like, you're having like a, like a exploring your own sexuality in your mind and like touch with yourself in the shower or whatever. I mean, I don't care what, what somebody does, but I think those are two completely different categories. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to, um, I want to talk about dopamine a little bit. Hmm. Um, but I do want to hear 
your thoughts on or the semen retention thing because we went away from that like what's the retaining semen there's there's interesting stuff so so i would recommend that people are interested in looking up a guy called montauk chia he's like considered probably the the most um renowned um nut retention guru Can we, what, on the what planet we call it an ejaculate you don't like nut i do like nut but <laughs> <laughs> But, but I feel like you're speaking with a scientific tone, you know, and it's like, this is kind of, you know, no, we'll call it nut. Okay. He's a nut retention guru. Nut ret- <laughs> what about this nut retention guru that does he bring? What does he bring? What knowledge does he bring? Well, all right. So there's some, so there's some research that I'm a little murky on, but, but it's, well, I'll try and tap back in. Um, one of the things there was, there was actually some studies that I read in one of Montauk's book montauk's books a while ago and they did some research with there's a particular type i think it's a tapeworm that genetically is actually pretty similar to humans which is kind of random nod so the scientists will do studies with this particular tapeworm and um we have to like fact check check this and like look into this okay but um what they found i'll try to make it you know make it as short as possible they did a did a, a study with the tapeworms where they had one tapeworm be able to like nut or ejaculate with great regularity another one had to be um, completely abstinent and then the other one they like neutered it but it was allowed to have sex mm-hmm. and what they found was the one that was nutting all the time or ejaculating all the time their lifespan was like cut down by like a third and then the one that was completely abstinent was like another third. And the one that was able to have sex but wasn't ejaculating had by far the, the greatest longevity. And that's the general suggestion within the um, semen retention space. Is to have sex and not ejaculate. <sighs> yeah. So you can do like what's it's called a, a retrograde ejaculation where you contract the muscles around the the pubococcygeal muscles, particularly like call them the PC muscles, essentially like your P muscles. And, um, you go through like certain like visualizations of sorts and you visualize that buildup of quote unquote sexual energy and around the dong. And you, you work on doing like breathing practices to start to pull, literally pull that quote unquote energy up the spine and create this loop from goes up the back of the spine, down the front, the nose, down the jaw. One of the interesting things with that is you want to connect the the uh, your tongue to the roof of your mouth. This completes what's called the microcosmic orbit. Oh my God, Aaron! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, man! <laughs> well, that's interesting. <laughs> Why that's interesting? I'm tearing up right so now. in this world it's just so much woo woo in this in this shit. world no we can get off this at time this is you no no you i have, love it no no i want to hear I'm not more saying that i align with this is this. The, this is the funny well this is this is the funny thing is like i know that shit is woo woo and bullshit sometimes or maybe not it just sounds insane and it's still it has some sort of effect on me yeah like i still change my practices because of it i'm not gonna just do steam and retention and no, uh, you can non ejaculate sex, but like our friend, our mutual friend Austin, mm. he's continually saying like, no, 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 don't eat that, bro. BPA's and that, and, and too sh- far too. You know, he goes way too far, but it, it's fun. Well, he might it's go fun. just the right amount of distance for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For everybody, it's different. You know, how much like rules and regulations do you want to have in your life? 
And so, placebo and nocebo you yes. know, are, are incredibly powerful. Incredibly so if you tell your something, something has an effect, it's like, you're right. Yeah. Typically. Uh, so comedian, completing the cosmic orbit. Called microcosmic orbit. Microcosmic orbit. So why I was going to say that. Tongue, that, why, dong. Yeah, why that's, why that's interesting is that then relates over to, and we can talk about like exercise and mm -hmm. all that stuff if you want. Um, but why that's interesting is that's something that would also be recommended in like weightlifting practices or like proper nose or proper breathing. Mm -hmm. So you're breathing through your nose, your tongue's going to rest on the roof of your mm -hmm. mouth. Um, an interesting thing that we could, we're probably not going to do it, but if you stand like a little like parlor trick test you can do, if you stand um, in front of someone and you put your arm out and you have that person push down in your arm, trying to like pull you off balance, mm -hmm. uh, and you do that with your tongue at the bottom of your mouth, you'll feel it's like easier to pull them off balance. Then you say, okay, now I want you to drive your tongue up to the roof of your mouth, up to the, the maxilla, um, is it just the bone, the roof of the mouth. Uh, drive your tongue up there. And what you'll find, it's like way harder to knock the person off balance. And the suggestion with that is that um, and there's different things. There's like the concept of irradiation, which has been kind of debunked, but that was what the um, Pavel Satsulin called yeah. it in his yep. book, like Strength of the People, I think. Yep. Um, there's another term called uh, CAP, which is coactivation potentiation. The suggestion is by by specifically driving these muscles around the tongue and the jaw, it's essentially creating like more. I, I think the term would be like neural drive, like more neural output. Yeah. So your nervous system is like more engaged. Yeah, like, and that uh, we tested that you and I. We did. Oh yeah, we did that. Yeah, we did the banded band in the teeth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That that, that is very effective. Incredibly crazy. effective. Yeah, it's crazy. I find it more to be around the neck, but I understand how bite works. Like, <clears throat> I think. I didn't really notice the bite making it happen. Like if I had someone pulling on my head while I was doing push-ups, that yeah. might be effective as well. But the fact that there was the the bite pulling, I could feel my neck flexing so hard so I could just rip out push-ups like it was nobody's yeah. business. But so this is back to semen retention so we can close this We should close close loop. this loop. Yeah, I think it's um is so that's the only way that you can see the benefits of semen retention is if you uh, ha have sex and then don't orgasm, or is it like no fap, or is it like? I think the move is is uh, ideally so in like the Montauk Chio semen retention world, the suggestion is for each age, like each decade, essentially, mm -hmm. it would be you'd slowly draw back the amount of ejaculations per week, and so if you're like young, if you're like eighteen years old. It's like cool. Probably not every five days. I don't remember what the we like. We maybe like pull up a chart and like look what it is. And but compared to if you're like sixty years old, then it's like okay, maybe not like every two weeks. And it's it's so there's a whole chart gotcha. for for ejaculation. Very per interesting. Week. Yeah. Montauk Chia. <laughs> yeah, Montauk. Uh, so I wanted. To By the way, that's. I mean, I already I already prefaced, but I'm not saying any of that in any form of like. Oh yeah, this is my stuff. Authoritative. I'm just <laughs> bullshitting right now. Yeah, no, this is full bullshit. Why? Right, so right you're here. Good. We we have a relationship prior to this that is a very comfortable uh, relationship. Yeah. Being like, we do semen retention together. <laughs> I hold okay. his I hold his his uh, pelvic floor for him. Yeah, and while we practice, this is what we do at Onnit Gym. This is Austin Fuck spirituality yeah, dude. training. Dude, that's Austin. One on one. That is Austin. Uh, okay, so. I wanted to talk about dopamine because you said 
basically the difference between no fap and no porn. Uh, I, I'm sure like no fap could be effective as it relates to porn, but then you said like the exploratory, like self exploratory sexuality is like much different than sitting down and whacking it to porn. Yeah. I which is so. pre- pretty obvious, I think. Um, I had a little bit of a revelation with like dopamine in that. I realized almost every time it always happens when I try to make a difference in my diet, try to change something in my diet. Um, and that we can talk more about why I'm changing my diet, but I had this revelation where almost everything I was doing around food was dopamine driven, not actually sustenance driven. Sure. Um, and those practices involved, like it is now time like here's the time of day where I should be eating. It is now time to order the food, get the food, sit down and watch TV while I eat the food. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how much there is. I just want it to taste good and feel good. Um, it was not providing me anything other than that. And then it would, and then I would finish and I'd be like, okay, where's the nicotine? Cause that's like the closing of that loop. You got any? No, I don't. God damn I'm, I'm again, I'm, 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 mitigating any nicotine use as well i'm feeding right now bro (laughs) (laughs) but so so like it's a very i've heard there's uh like different uh needs for people to fulfill with food and, and different responses like there's the i think it's like you see the food and there's the response of like, okay, I need to get my fill. So you grab too much. Uh, and then there's, it, it's kind of like your relationship. That, to food. The, yeah. It's also like the competition type thing. You like, had that growing up, right? Was there like not well, enough food or there was competition between the, the siblings? Uh, not so much. It was more with friends. Yeah. Like when Chris and I have to sit down and share food mm. competition. Mm. And then there's the clean plate uh, thing where it's like, I need to get my money's worth. Yeah which most people are going to do no matter what, even if it might not be ideal. Oh, me too. Yeah. Like, like it's great, like great depression stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, you have a, a 3000 calorie burrito. Like you have to finish it yeah. and you have to finish everything on, you know, when obviously the restaurant just gave you too much. Yeah. There's a bunch of things you feel, like you this. feel ill, but you need to get that value. Right. And there's, there's a bunch of things like this that have nothing to do with, uh, like living and fitness. And they've absolutely, it's funny now that I'm trying to make these changes and I look at my old practices and I just say like, well, what if I just kind of like fasted a little bit longer Mm. or, or just ate things, uh, in preparation for my training rather, you know, things like that. Like, and, and it's just, you eat to live instead of living to eat. Right. And it was so jarring to me because I, when I realized this, like literally everything, every time I ate, it was, it was dopamine driven. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think you're, what kind of, what what do you think you're attempting to satiate with that? Uh, It's like, it's the same, like uh, it's boredom. Mm. I actually found this out with Chris as well. It was like. Boredom is interesting. That's like, like the. Anxiety. It's boredom and anxiety go hand in hand. I, I, uh. 
I was, I should get a, a, a t-shirt that says, ask me about my darkness retreat. You know, when like spiritual people do something, they mm-hmm. do like, they mm-hmm. go to Burning Man or they yeah. do like ayahuasca. Ask me about Burning Man. They're, you know, they're like, ask me about like, my ayahuasca. Like, oh, that reminds me of Burning Man. Yeah. No, the, so, so if you can connect this with the darkness retreat, that Well, just the, the interesting thing with that. So I did this thing, it's called darkness retreat. Um, my duration was went in Wednesday evening, came out Monday morning. You're in like a dark room with yourself. They bring food once a day. Um, the guy like drops like spiritual Cohen's, you know, and asks how you're going and talk to him for like five to 10 minutes or so. And then you go and you're just with yourself in this dark room, um, for however long there's interesting traditions with there's like the, the, not that you're asking, but there's various different, um, cultures around the world that actually do their own versions of darkness retreats. Uh, there's the, the Kogi tribe in the Amazon that apparently they have their children, some specific children. I think they're like chosen as like shamans or something. Um, they'll go through their own version of a darkness retreat for the first nine years of their life where I believe the way it works, they just come out at night and then during the day they go into darkness and they like meditate and like, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, it's, that's pretty interesting. It's been a Buddhist tradition for a long time. They do it longer as well. I think it's like 49 days. Um, I, I wrote about it in the visual chapter in my book. It's like, a, it's like a thing. And the idea is that by going into darkness long enough, you essentially like expose yourself to all the deep par- parts of like things of shame and insecurity and all those like little anxieties that come up that in our world, typically we can just reach out, eat food, whack off, go exercise, you know, and just kind of keep on going around it, if you have nothing to do other than just to observe these little waves coming up, they like come up and move through and you actually get to kind of like get it out. Uh, but that was the biggest thing of, of that was like the idea of like boredom, like what is boredom? Like in any moment there's, you have infinite potentials of things that you could do infinite potentials of places you could go in your mind, infinite potentials of like self work or like, and like there's so much. And for a person to be in the place of, of boredom and then be like uncomfortable with that sensation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's like pretty strange. Oh, it's, but it's, um, an absolutely across the board between like every single person that owns one of these things. Yeah. Right. Is quote unquote bored but i i understand what you mean like that there's limitless possibility so bored is boredom is not quite the board as a concept is just like what is boredom so how do you define boredom what is boredom i would say you know this is not a, a definition of it but i would say that it stems from having a ton of stimulation all the time at your fingertips and it's external it's not created by you uh, and you're not practiced in creating your own stimulation. Uh, so then the moment it's pulled away from you, now you have to create your own stimulation. And that's a lot of work and you haven't been practicing it. And so now you feel to have this sense of anxiety because mm. now you have to work. Mm. And then it's like the same anxiety of like going to uh, a class for the first time, like a, a fitness class for the first time and getting your ass kicked. Mm. You haven't been training and now you have anxiety about going to this class. And so, like, you take everything away from that and go on a darkness retreat. Well, it's like, well, now you have no fucking choice. Yeah. So you get pretty damn good at entertaining yourself. And boredom does not become a thing Yeah, for, It forces you to um, almost, like, retune a neurochemical baseline. 
Yeah. So that's what happens when you're doing with, in relation to the dopamine stuff, which this is something that I don't know a ton about either, uh, to be perfectly honest. But the things that I hear from like, you know, Andrew Huberman and people that are more interested in savvy with this stuff, uh, is that when you do do the porn thing or whatever, whatever the catalyst to produce a bunch of dopamine slash the rest of the, um, neurotransmitters that are associated different sensations, we get, there's certain titles that get popularized and we just assume like, ah, oh, dopamine, like that's the thing. Like mm-hmm. we understand what's mm-hmm. going on. It's like, it's not just dopamine. Uh, but then what happens is you go into a deficit. So what your baseline was before suddenly it's not just the baseline, it's actually below that baseline. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it becomes problematic where now you have this f- like fiending type of temperament because you're actually, your um your your body's craving to be set back to to neutral because it's all it's at a deficit and so so doing something like a a quote-unquote fast from technology or social media or you know any of that can be very supportive for it's uncomfortable it can be even like painful in a way but then the body comes back to like an actual healthy neutral set point Mm -hmm. quote-unquote healthy and then the you know the sensation of fiending is less, and you can instead of living life essentially like a slave to these different dopamine triggers, you can start to live life in more of a way of just like, what do I actually want to do, as opposed to like what do I have to do? Wouldn't you say also we? I mean, just to make sure that we don't demonize dopamine, it exists oh, for great. a reason. It's, it's, it's very important. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely practices that uh, give us dopamine that because the amount of work that goes into it it's got to be okay right so like uh fitness is a huge dopamine hit mm-hmm. cold and hot therapy are huge dopamine hits and yet we don't talk about them in negative ways well you're doing the work that's the, right that's, that's the thing so that's the is that point. is that is that the rule then like as long as we're working for it like what if you had to do like what if you had to run a 5k so that you could whack off to porn. Mm, this is kind of what you're doing with like going out on a date. You walk a few miles, <laughs> you know, right? You walk a few miles. You go on a walking date. You sit. Bro, that's what I do. I do you walk. pay. I do paddleboard dates. Yeah, walking date, paddleboard like dates. If it's like a new day, I do yeah. paddleboard date. Because that then, way, if we don't like each other, we don't even really need to talk. Yeah, that's... I can the, just go swimming. Mm-hmm. And then and also, like, oh, that was awesome. It's it's middle of the day, so like you have to go home and change and shower. Mm. And you'll be like, okay, we'll meet up if things are good. And if it's not, you just don't do that. Yeah, we're out. Yeah. Yeah. But that's... So so it's worked. Did you doing do like work. dinner dates? I've done that. Oh, yeah. bad move. I did a horrible one. Bad when I, move. I had no money, man. If you arrive, and I spent like... You immediately, you're like, oh, this is a no. And you're like, okay, let's go. Yeah. No good. And like Can't have that. Eating and eating in front of a woman that you've just met and trying to impress, like Ugh. it's kind of it's kind of difficult, but Ugh. just because you get self-conscious about it. Yeah. But I was also I was I had did not have the money for this. And I spent like $250 on <laughs> dinner. It was a super Why nice place you in Chicago. Do that? Hold on, was it a, a new girl that you weren't attracted to? No, I was attracted to her. Okay, you're into it. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. I thought you weren't into it. I'm like, bro. No, 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 no. No, it was the first date with a girl that I was attracted to. Okay. This wasn't like a hinge thing or something. No. I see. But it was, it uh, obviously didn't work out. But I think that, yes, the dinner date thing is um, is an interesting one because, uh, you know, you're kind of like locked into the end of the night. It feels like a hostage situation. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you're like sitting like I like that's one of the things if you've ever have you ever been to a, a, a country or even just a place where it's normal to like do communal eating you know if you go to Ethiopian yeah, China. restaurant China they have the Morocco Japan yeah like there's a lot of different places like that and that's one of the things that is really pleasant it, it is if you go out to eat you're gonna be sitting on the ground essentially so you're not just like cooped up on this same obscenely um it's just like a it's like a collapse generally it's just not a pleasant position it's just yeah. sitting on a chair there's no bad position it's just that position in and of itself doesn't um support say being a better deadlifter or a better squatter or better like being able to load your joints it's, well and then you multiply that times your whole life yeah starting in kindergarten and then you elect to pay 250 dollars to sit in that same hunched over position and you know and just like stare across a table it's just you know that's weird but if you go to a, a culture where it's like you're sitting on the ground you can like kind of wrinkle and move and yeah, kind of like can, yoga you yourself and like yeah uh you can like Basically going to like down dog and if, type, and, type situation. <laughs> Not down dog. What's the one where it's like. You, I like you, to do a nice headstand. <laughs> no, you like the, in in Japan, they sit on the floor, right? Yeah. You yeah. do straddle position. And you can kind of like open your legs. Asana, yeah. All the things. You could throw a little like FRC. Yeah. Do a little do a little isometrics in there. Do a little PNF. Well, I think this is all actually more about having to do with like your level of ADD that you just like have to be squenching around and moving around me too bro you gotta move your shit like like a person having some nervous energy would make sense if you're sitting like yeah you're, I mean, you're built to, to walk whatever say 10 miles a day mm -hmm. to get that locomotion happening what you're doing with that is you're you're circulating your lymphatic fluid yeah. the only way lymphatic fluid moves is through muscular contraction yeah so if you're if you're sitting pulling up like stewing in your own metabolites and all the the buildup of the day, for you to not have like a maybe a little nervous stir of like I need to go exercise, dude, would actually mean your your body's probably more than likely been um, started to um, become adapted to being sick. You know, I it's very strange. If the conversation is good and we're just flowing and just going and going, like, I don't notice any of that shit. Mm. But if you're trying to meet someone and, like, figure things out and manipulate, like, there's a very cognitive aspect. Like, the the conversation doesn't just flow all the time. Mm. If it does, that's great. Because um, I know, like, uh, I'll, I'll go to dinner with Caroline and, like, we'll be really into it. So into it that we're sitting crammed in a thing and yeah. I don't notice it at all and then the waiter comes in and like breaks that whole thing up and it and it sucks but if you're on a first date with someone and you're sitting in that I I definitely would notice being cooped up and crammed up mm. um but I would say that like definitely like it's more the being locked in with someone for like up and through the end of the night that's that's brutal what, what's right? the most challenging thing that you've learned about yourself in your relationship with caroline um the most like this hurts this sucks but i'm growing from it mm. wow that's a great question uh i would say the i most, host a podcast yeah no big deal the most challenging thing yeah, like the thing where it's like, oh my God, I hate this. We're going to, oh, you know, do we break up? Do we, not, like, this is hard to move through, but it's because I was the problem. 
or I had some stuff that I had hadn't addressed and uh, yeah. now I, I've, I've learned, I've grown through it. I think like I, as you said this, I tried to think of a very individual answer, but I think this is just a common answer, but it's like the biggest challenge for me was uh, not like letting past relation, not letting past relationships dictate my actions. And that's by far the biggest challenge with her, with you, like with your, her. With her yeah. So, so the way that I act towards her, the way that I approach her, I don't want to let previous relationships get in the way of that, you know, someone in previous relationships burns me here or there. I now create this like little guard. Oh yeah. And now I'm a different human being than I, than I could have been with her. So that's been the biggest challenge. Is and that's totally any, a me thing. Is there any parts in your life, childhood relationships that you have had trouble with forgiving? And I'll promise to back out of like overly deep, like no, no, no. I um, I actually do forgive really well. That's good. Yeah, and like I, I'm totally down to forgive people, mm. especially if it's like face to face. Maybe it's a little bit of like a people pleaser energy that I have. I don't understand how people don't forgive. Yeah, like that to me is an it's, that's like an odd concept. There's probably parts of myself that I don't actually. It's like you don't know what you don't know. So there are probably parts of myself that I'm forgiven. I think it's probably the easiest to not forgive one's self. You know, or like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I personally, the concept of like someone doing something wrong, I'm trying to think of situations where I'm like really, like there is actually one person in my life right now that I'm annoyed at because he owes me some videos and I've been messaging him and mm-hmm. emailing him and he just doesn't freaking respond. I'm mm-hmm. like, bro, like I need those. I need that. Like yeah, you filmed right, it. It's right. a thing. Like what are you doing? So I've, I have, there is some anger that I noticed coming up with that. Uh, but the feeling of, of holding resentment towards someone, it's, you know, you've heard all this before, but it's like, it's literally, they don't realize you're What going, if they resent you? That's tough too, but that's on them. That's their so, business. Yeah. So like, that's the hardest thing for me right now. Is well, it, then but, you're holding on to their. Yes. Like, so, yeah. so the person resents me Yeah. and I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, let it go. Yeah. I guess I just have to be like, well, there's nothing I can do about it unless you step up and tell me what's wrong or whatever. Yeah, but that's like the biggest issue I think I'm facing right now with someone else is that they don't like me or something like that. There's beef. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, beef stuff. And so now that there's beef, I'm like, fuck this person. And so I, the, I'm angry and I'm getting resentment towards them. Right. So that so the the potential lesson in that would would be there's some part of you that isn't able to handle. Um, like a like a fragment in a relationship you know so that's so it's like it's fragmented it feels broken and like you need to fix it probably is that kind of like a Mm -hmm. thing for you yes yeah me too yeah 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 yeah, so if it's broken i'm like okay like i need to keep on but oftentimes by in in your act of actually engaging and trying to fix it you actually just keep on making it worse yeah and And you're like you're breaking it more it's like bro just like release like that's actually the healing the acknowledgement of it is like the the uh, what, what did it, what did Seneca say? It was like, don't, it's like, total, this is total. it's like thinking about the sickness before actually being sick. Mm. Um, and I find that like a lot of afflictions, a lot of issues in my life are due to that. A lot of, a lot of issues in a lot of people's lives is thinking about the problem 
maybe before the problem exists, or maybe the problem doesn't exist to that level, and you're now making another problem, a separate problem. Yeah. And like, I guess relinquishing control of that is is a tough thing because you don't have a actual uh, synopsis or diagnosis for the issue. Yeah. People love going to uh, the doctor so that they can get a diagnosis. Oh yeah. They can know exactly. Hey, I'm feeling weird. Is this a problem? Well, I don't know if it's a problem. Can I go to someone and have, I would rather, or not me, this is I figuratively, I would rather walk up to a doctor and have them tell me there's something definitively wrong with me yeah. than to have this gray area of not being sure. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of that and that can transfer into a lot of different things. Yeah, that was, that was um, the, we're, 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 we're story making creatures. And so if we have some expectation of what's happening, it will, it kind of like calms our nervous systems in a way. Uh, examples of that, that that's, you know, pretty fascinating and ridiculous would be during the times that the Nazis were bombing different countries in Europe. Uh, they're doing the, 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 the blitzkrieg strategy where you just come in and just, you know, go nuts. Um, the places that had a regular schedule of bombing where it's like oh cool three o'clock they're coming to you know fuck up our town those people their um their biomarkers like uh cortisol and you know the different Much stress lower. markers were dramatically lower God. than the the places that were like it was sporadic so if you're in that ongoing just like you know you're on edge you don't know what's coming next terrible for the nervous system but if you know some effed up stuff is is happening, but you but you can start to actually prepare yourself for it. It's dramatically easier. So just 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 having story of diagnosis feels better because you feel like you have walls. You have you have like like definition to it compared to just not knowing. It's like very challenging for the human. I want to change the topic a little bit because this has been on my mind a lot. And I've talked to you about this quite a bit with Chris, uh, and that is about uh, body dysmorphia. Mm. Um, and then also I, you, there's a term that you brought up in your podcast with Chris called orthorexia, mm. which I thought was really cool. And I want to talk about both of those things, but mm. body dysmorphia, uh, is something that I really didn't, um, realize that I'd had. Um, and I think I've had it a decent portion of my, my life, mm. uh, in different, in different moments of my life. I remember when I was in high school, we, like I, I've always been like incredibly athletic. So it's just kind of like, I don't care what people think about how I look. I'm crushing it at sports. So yeah. it just doesn't matter to me. Performance driven. Yeah. Which is awesome. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I can't, I can't suggest that enough. And that's the problem is like, Oh, well, what if I'm not athletic Zach? Like what, what do I do then? It's like, well, find some sort of performance trait to get better at, just dial yourself around that performance. And then you will, you'll, you will feel better about how you look. At least that's the theory. Um, and there's problems with that as well, but it's just something that continually happens. But anyways, I was in high school one day and we it was 80s day. Did you ever have those days? Maybe. Like theme days? Something like that. It was 80s day and it was also, uh, we had our football game uh, the following day. So I wore my football jersey and I had jean shorts on, jean short shorts on. And I remember these girls uh, laughing at me in the lunchroom being like, look at how skinny his legs are. And I was Ooh. like, that was the first time I'd have, and they were older girls too. Oh boy. That was a, dude, that shit 
shook me. Like I've, I can, it like gives me a weird feeling right now, you know? Um, and then I, that was just like one moment, but that was the, probably my earliest memory of that. Mm. And this is crazy coming from a guy who's six foot four, 240 pounds, like to, but every, every moment in football was you need to change the way you weigh, like you need to weigh more yeah. Um, or you need more muscle. Like there was never an accepting accepted moment of body type ever for me. Um, I got to college. I kind of laid off that a little bit. There's a lot more cardio involved in lacrosse. So you didn't have to be as big and as powerful. Um, but the, those habits of just continually eating are, were just like embedded within me. Uh, I got out of college, kind of started doing CrossFit and I never ever took, uh, nutrition or anything seriously. I just thought, well, I'm a furnace, you know, I can just eat whatever I want whenever I want. And I'm like slowly just like starting to out eat whatever training regimen I threw at myself. And I kind of still have those habits a little bit with weightlifting. It got even worse, but now I'm trying to, I'm, I'm 32 now, you know, it's been almost a decade since I've been in college, since I've been had any sort of pressure to perform in like a certain way. Uh, and I have like the most body dysmorphia I think I've had in a long, long time. Mm. Yeah. It's vulnerable of you to share. Yeah. And it's very, very weird that, that, I, that it's happening now, but I, how does it come of, up? Like you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm a piece of shit or what? Uh, well, I guess that and a decent amount of comments, uh, but you know, without trying to sound too whiny, this is definitely self-driven. Mm. I basically am doing like, I'm trying to put on size for a movie and I, I feel like I'm on this, in this kind of catch 22 when, when I want to put on size and like try to get these muscle bellies bigger, it's like, I end up putting on a lot of fat. And then when I want to lean out, I just look skinny, mm. you know, and I look wiry and, and I get commented on either way. Yeah, You know, the most common comment for me was that I've gotten was like, Zach looks skinny, fat, and jacked at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, a, that's I get that a lot. That's a creative comment. Yeah. So, and, and it's just like that, that one keeps circulating through. <laughs> so like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm trying to beat that yeah. somehow. Yeah. And it's like at every turn, I can't do it. And uh, I guess I'm realizing that I'm just like satisfying what other people viewpoints of me are yeah you're 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 you developed a operating system you could say at whatever age you did all of us maybe not all of us me as well um but lots of us are in very similar circumstance where you have outsourced your level of self-worth to peripheral circumstances like external circumstances people opinions random could be a freaking bot in China, mm -hmm. sending some bullshit, yeah. you know, trolling comment or whatever, um, and you've you've essentially outsourced your level of your internal sensation of self worth to that. Which, if that is the as long as that is the operating system, you essentially are like a victim. Which is, you know, there's a lot of lessons in there, and I think I think the individual will the reason that we get quote unquote triggered by certain stuff is it's sending the information or the stimuli saying, ah, here's a thing. Here's the invitation to actually investigate this and lean into this. And so for you, you having that sensation, there's 
there's different options. There's cool. This hurts. I'm going to distract, avoid, right. You know, do all like do all those patterns or to like lean into it more and say like, Oh, like where do I, um, you know, one you could do like from like a, like a somatic type lens and say like, when you're experiencing that, where do you feel it in your body? That sensation of like, does it feel like shame? Does it feel like, um, guilt? Does it feel like, um, feeling powerless? You know, like where, like when you're in that circumstance where mm-hmm. you, where you feel like, like, um, I don't know, like, what is it, what is it like? Like describe it more. The sensation. Yeah. So I, I can, but it's a sensation that feels like icky. You're like, Ugh. like, what is it like? Like, let's like get into it. What Dude, is it? it? It's just, it was really childish the way that, that all, some of this came about. There was a, a video that I did with Derek who you met when he came through here and, yeah. uh, we were just training and I knew it was going to be like this. Like I knew that. So I knew that. Derek has not been focusing on training. He has three businesses and an incredibly successful YouTube channel. He is working around the clock. Trust me, I know this because I made that video with him and we worked crazy hard on it and he was flying around to different places in the country while we were working on this to fix all these businesses. I knew that he wasn't training very hard. So when he came here, I go, hey man, you know, you have the day off today before you do Joe Rogan, the biggest podcast in the world. Uh, let's do some training. And he's like, yeah, that sounds nice. Like, uh, we'll just do like a, a easy back day. I'm like, cool. I'll hi- hire my videographer. We'll make it really casual. You know, there's not much many videos of you training on the internet. We do like a very basic, like, we do like lat pull downs, rows, things of that nature that are just like i don't know and we and we get picked apart by like three different channels mm. oh because you're not doing it right because yeah because like we were being really casual about it and mm. and and it like then derek had a response he like wrote the person he's like dude we were just being real like chill mm-hmm. and then he made another video and then Greg Doucette made a video and it's just, it turned into this crazy thing. And now I'm still getting comments about like, dude, who is this like ugly guy? And like, he's way more than 20% body fat and, oh, yeah, that's you know, tough. It, but it's coming from not my audience, but it's like, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and it's, it, it's it, confirming it, parts of yourself. I wonder, that you, I wonder how many you, views it's at. It's confirming parts of yourself that you're like, that you believe <clears throat> or you feel like could be true. I need to, yeah, yeah. Um, and so then the opportunity is to go it's into 350, it. 350,000 views. Yeah, whatever. That's cool. 1,000 comments. That's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I get, you know, I get some money from it, but that was, that was a big one. And I remember actually I was with Caroline and I woke up in the morning and I saw just like, boom, comment for comment for comment. And it was just shitting on us, mm-hmm. shitting on us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I, I didn't expect this. Um, but now having seen that, it's like I have practices that I want to do going forward. And and the problem with those practices is they're kind of just feeding into the the issues even more. Definitely keeping my shirt on a lot more. Right. Until I feel confident. That's fine. Um, and that's you know, I think people are like, No, 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 you should be accepting of your body. And it's like, well, the amount of stress that, that would Im- imply or that would give me at first. Maybe yeah. down the road, I'll probably do that. Probably wear my shirt more. Uh, I want to talk a lot less about the way other people look. Mm-hmm. 
just in general. And if I do, it'll be with a lot of disclaimers. Yeah. Um, that's another thing too. If you're, you know, if, if you are a person that's projecting that out into the world, exactly. Like, it's like we all, that's, I think some of the, the kindest, sweetest, raddest people to be around are people that are in like AA or have, you know, a, 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 a criminal record or whatever. Cause they're like, I'm in a glass house, bro. Like, I don't, yes. like, I'm not trying to throw, Dude, like, let me not, tell you. like, I'm sure you got some skeleton. Like we all got, but when you're a person that's in like a righteous pedal, pedestalized yes. position, that's one of, I think the nastiest places to be. The scariest one thing that I was thinking. So it's like shirt on more, just like until I feel more confident, stop talking about the way people look, unless it's in a somewhat beneficial way or just with a dis bunch of disclaimers around it as to not be, you know, the guy throwing rocks in a glass house. And then the third one is like to be more uh, thoughtful in the way that I move and do things on camera. Mm. The problem is though, that's not who I am all the time. Mm. Like I was being in this video, I was being who I am. Mm -hmm. Just chilling, man, like that's having great. fun. Some demographic of people will align with that. Yeah. I like that. So that, that would, th those are the things that I want to do, but, uh, to get back on the, so the you want to be loved by the people that love you for something that you're not, is what you I know. Say. Right. So you're well, like, cool, I'll be this thing. I, I guess I, I, what I don't want is for people to, that I don't want people to misplace me that could potentially like me. Why do you care you know. so much about people liking you? And it's totally well, natural and normal. Well, yeah, and like, I'm, I like, care I'm there with you, but like, why do you care I, so much? Because I am a good person. I want to put that out into the world. Why do, you, why do you feel like you need to be confirmed by other people that you're a good mm -hmm. person? Well, that, again, do solid, you not actually, solid point. Uh, no, I think... I'm not uh, trying to like, no, no, stump no. you. But. No, no, no. Uh, it's uh, wanting to be liked is a reflection of the things that I've done to like prove that I am a good person or, you know, I, is there some part of you that doesn't believe that, that I am a good person? Yeah. What does good person mean? How do you define it? Um, I think honest to God, I think that uh, a good person is somebody who can respond with empathy towards other people. Like if they see it, it, it's this like inherent response of empathy mm. towards situations that other people go through. I, that's what I feel. Mm -hmm. It's like the biggest part is, is about empathy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like for a moment there, I was a little bit scared that I just didn't have that, or I didn't really have like the emotional toolkit to even respond to anything. Mm. Uh, and then with my ex, something just like really tragic happened. And I had this like visceral response. Yeah. I felt like, here's a great example of this. Um, I felt like I wouldn't, I couldn't be sad. Like anytime I was sad, I was playing the role of someone who was sad. Yeah. I've been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like, like I'm not actually sad. Let me project that I'm actually sad because <laughs> yeah. that that's what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. But then something bad actually happened. Mm-hmm. And I just, I almost felt like I wanted to fucking throw up and die. Mm. Like I felt sick. I was like weeping, hacking up, like wanting to vomit. Mm -hmm. And I think back on that day and I'm like, thank God. 
It's know? kind of a nice thing. It really is. The worst would be to not be that. Like that's like that's what I mean. A, that's what I would be. There's, fucking a, there's a quote from a guy called Sir William Osler. I think he's considered like like one of the fathers of modern medicine. But the the quote goes the the organs will weep the tears of the when the organs will weep the tears the eyes weren't willing to paraphrasing but if the eyes are you know if your your capacity to um, purge emotion mm-hmm. is repressed and blocked then it has nowhere to go because it's not going out mm-hmm. but to go in and so to be a person that's mm-hmm. like cool like I'm open enough to feel and emote is actually I, I personally because I've had historically have had issues with that um, and feeling like just it's just hard to emote like I don't I, like I don't get it I don't understand love I don't understand relationships I don't understand going to a family reunion and people just like seeming like they just love each other and they just feel connected right and they feel home yeah they feel safe and they feel like apart that was that was something that historically is something that has been has felt kind of like foreign to me and tapping back into that through seeing a therapist and you know doing shit like darkness retreats or like whatever whatever your, your bag is um, realizing that there are deep, uh, almost like dislocated or frozen parts of, for me, my childhood, that it's like really hard for me to go back in and like connect with. And then I think what happens when you have parts in one's childhood that have been repressed, um, that you kind of like bypassed over, you just jumped it because it was too much to handle. Yeah. Then that gets held almost like that that version of yourself that boy at 11 years old or 15 years old or five years old or whatever he almost like freezes and the maturation around that point almost like stops and until the person goes back and starts to actually like get to know that boy or that girl and develop and integrate that into your adult man body um, you're going to keep on fucking up relationships. Yeah. You're going to keep on tormenting yourself. You're going to keep on being in this place of I'm not enough. You're going to keep. You know, that that's really weird because I always see uh, psychoanalysts or psychoanalysis and, and psychotherapy. They always talk about trauma as a place like past childhood trauma. Mm. And I go, well, I can't think of any, you know, yeah, but, you, that's the thing but I would, trauma. I would actually say lack of development is what I probably have. Well, you're Lack not going to be able to think. certain things when I was a child. Yeah. And I just never developed them. I just skipped, went back, you know. But it's, I, e- it's even like a language barrier. Like typically, if you are thinking about a thing, it's because you've created a story that may or may not be associated to an actual embodied feeling. So it's, I can't feel about any of those things. Right. Like, can you feel the way that you felt um you know, really viscerally and there's different practices. A person can like literally go in and start to, um, bring their awareness, which isn't weird. Like the, the idea of, of, Oh, your awareness, you say words like that. People start, you know, yeah, out like, okay, right. here we go. Um, like give me the empirical data. Like one of the interesting thing with that is there was a, um, I, I don't remember the, the guy's name, but famous like Yogi guy. And there was research, um, where researchers would, he was able to change and this is like lots of, lots of folks can do this in, in these spaces, but he's able to change the temperature of his individual fingertips and like the back of his hand compared mm-hmm. to the front of his hand. And is literally able with his awareness, able to drive quote unquote energy or in this, you know, in this case, like heat 
to very specific parts of his hand and say, ah, I'm going to go here, the back of my hand, watch the temperature go up. Ah, okay. How about my foot? Watch the temperature go up. Uh, the practice is called Tumo meditation is one of the things where that's like where like Wim Hof comes from, mm-hmm. not from Tumo, but like the, the concepts, you know, in one of the practices from my understanding, I've never like been involved in any of this, but one of the practices would be you, you, uh, these meditator people would, uh, go out in the cold and put like a wet towel around them and it's like freezing cold and be able to create this internal warmth through driving their awareness into actually uh, increasing oh. the core body temperature of their body to the point that they can actually dry this cold ass towel as opposed to getting hypothermic. So I, I, um, there's a couple things I want to get back to the glass house. Mm. Uh, that was, Oh, hold on. But the reason I was saying this, because when you when we're saying things like feeling into what is this, what is my abdomen feel in relation to this, um, story or this time of my life or like the way that I just feel about this experience right now, Mm -hmm. what does my chest feel like? And that's the number. I think there's, I I believe the number is a hundred million, um, uh, sensory neurons interlaced throughout the, the guts, you know, so they, they call like the guts, like your second brain. Uh, it's called like, I've heard it called like, like a cat brain because it has the same amount of neurons as the brain of a cat. Um, and, and so it's literally like it is like your enteric nervous system, right? It is a brain in a way, like it is a thinking center Mm -hmm. and your, your vagus nerve, which is vagus. It's, it's the reason it's called vagus, uh, comes from Latin word vague something, but like vagrant, it's like a wandering nerve. It goes all throughout diaphragm organs, heart and all that stuff. Uh, I, if it's either 80 or 90% of the nerve pathways in the vagus nerve are actually afferent, meaning they're going from the guts to the brain. So they're listening to what's happening in the guts yeah. and sending those signals up into the brain, that, as opposed to the brain sitting up in its high tower saying, aha, do this liver, yeah. do this gall, do this heart. The heart's like, here's what's happening. Yeah. Here's how you react. Brain. Yeah. Thank you, bitch. So that, that, <laughs> um, have you seen the science of a liver shot? Uh-uh. So like in, in boxing. Uh, oh, up. yeah. I don't know what um, happens there. The It's a vagus response. Oh, I know and, it sucks. And, it, and your brain says, you must lay down now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had it? No, I've never been hit in the liver. It's not nice. No. It's super incredibly effective. And it literally, it's immediate response from the vagus nerve up to the brain saying, I need to get horizontal. Wow. And so people, you, you, most of the time people take a knee. Yeah. And then they lay down. Yeah. Sometimes they just fall and lay right down. Would you ever do Krav Maga? Probably not. That'd probably be, <laughs> be honest to God, the last. Uh, no, not the last. But it would be definitely that way down the line. I think of, if you're like a Krav arts. Maga guy, just get a gun. Like if you're going to learn jujitsu, mm-hmm. boxing, yeah. Muay Thai, you're like learning like a dance and this game that you can engage with people with and it like makes you a better just like mover in life. Mm-hmm. But something like Krav Maga, yeah. like you're never going to get to practice that yeah. unless you're just a like a total terrible person. Right. So I think in that case, like if you're trying to use that, I think just fucking get a knife, get a gun. Um, we, Krav Maga class In, in jiu-jitsu, we do a lot of stuff with self-defense. And I think um, it's very different than the jiu-jitsu we learn in class. Mm. It's a little bit more safety-based, like on yourself. Mm. So you're always trying to stop the punching arm. 
um, and you don't want to get yourself in a position you like where com- you can get com- bitten. Combat, combat jiu-jitsu? You're like slapping each other? No, we've never done that. We've had like sometimes Cody will have on like his like heavy gloves, not the not the MMA ones. But... This is Tenth Planet. Uh, no, this is at uh, Fight Factory. Right. Yeah, right. and he'll just well, it'll it'll change the way you play, you know, because right. you don't want to get hit. Um, but you know, a lot of the self defense jujitsu stuff is about you know controlling someone on the ground with the ground, but you don't do competitive jujitsu with that person yeah you know and and our professor was like when you are uh like in a position to start striking someone in the face when they're on the ground he's like never go down like this and we're like oh because you don't want to hurt the guy he's like always go like this he's like always throw hammer fists because <laughs> you like, hurt your wrist yeah you don't want to hurt your wrist and the teeth can go in your uh right yeah yeah. So, but uh, I want to I wanted to talk about the the glass house thing. Uh. Um I this weekend I was in uh Las Vegas and it was a ton of fun. And we took like a we all took like a decent dose of psilocybin mushrooms um which if you're watching like be a responsible drug user if you use drugs. Uh we were very smart, we're very resp- responsible. How much you do? Uh, 12 grams <laughs> no <laughs> no it was like a fun fun dose how much, how much grams probably probably like two grams but spread out i find sometimes two grams can be harder than more grams because, because you're in that liminal space right you're kind of like kind of breaking through but like not quite so yeah kind of like <sighs> yeah but we there was enough stimulation and enough friends around to make it more of a party type yeah. thing yeah anyways i was i was coming down from them and I realized I was like, man, I am definitely so, super harsh, super judgmental on my friends and my family when they do something that's flawed. Mm. And I visual, I see it. Mm-hmm. And this is a big problem that I have. Like I, and and I'm very quick to. Th- throw judgment at them when I see other friends just not interacting with like not having a problem with whatever that person's doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had this realization. It's like, dude, you're so in the glass house. Cause like, if this happens to you, you are going to panic. It's just a part of yourself that you're not comfortable with. And I think that's the only way for something to irk you. It's something within you that you're not comfortable with. I don't, I don't know if that's an absolute, the only way. Yeah. But generally speaking, when there's something that's like, it's like, ugh, well, ugh. It's I, I like, know oh, like, this is actually about you, bro. Yeah. And I know the, yes, it is. It definitely is. But I know the consequence of either acting on that. So, like, sometimes I'll I'll be like, hey, man, like, that's fucking lame what you're doing. Like, confronting or talking shit about that person to another one of my friends or whatever. I know that when I'm in that position, I'm going to stress out so much Mm. thinking about, oh, man, if I was on the other side of that doing what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just no way to go about go through life can, can i take a piss yeah go ahead is that cool yeah we are back and uh aaron has nicotine now yeah my so nicotinergic uh synapses or whatever popping so um i just made that up orthorexia can you explain that <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know what the exact you know 
internet definition would be, but essentially it's being addicted to health to the point that it actually creates disease. What does it look like? Um, someone that's maybe overly excessively scrupulous with the way that they eat um, to the point that they're blocking themselves from doing things that would actually create joy in their lives, you know, so they're like the, the person that's got all of their food in a little Tupperware container and they don't go out to eat in a certain place because maybe they don't want the the energy of the restaurant person to like be poured onto their food and they I'm going to eat exactly 1752 calories each day. And mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh, like bro, relax. Is what about uh, fitness? How does that play into this? Like how Being do, obs- somebody like dis- body dysmorphia would probably fall into that category. I'd imagine body dysmorphia. And then also like overtraining. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Overtraining. Yeah. Just being yeah, like obsessed with health to the point that you kill it. You do that with parenting. You could be such a good parent that you're like helicopter parent. You're like, bro, you're hurting your child. It's like mm. violence. Do you think there is uh, like a chemical response? Like, th- like for instance, you'd say probably more cortisol. Yeah, you generally would be. Again, I don't, you know, I don't know like what the data on this would be exactly, but yeah, generally a person in that scenario or disposition would likely be. Um, more activated with more regularity so it's hard for them to like netflix and chill you know, it's hard probably their 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 vision i would presume would be more emphasized towards like the myopic lens where you're like really like focused um probably their breathing pattern would be more up in their like upper chest you know breathing kind of more with their shoulders and mm-hmm. such in more of like a like a stressed state and then all the core, the correlating neurochemicals and hormones would, would coincide with that. But then on the other side of that, you can't be a lazy bitch. You know, you can't just be Everything's like. Everything's nuanced, man. Yeah. It's yeah, just, I've, all, I've, by matter. the way, I've seen someone with, well, I didn't even know the term until I'd heard you say it. Mm. Um, but I've, I've seen someone with orthorexia and it was like nauseating, actually. Mm-hmm. They're a crossfitter. There's a lot of it that develops out of it's all compensation, man. So CrossFit is one of those spaces where it is so effective uh, in the way that it brings about intensity to training. Mm. That and and that is the line which I'm going to draw its effectiveness and efficacy because I feel like there are many issues with it just like there's many issues with uh, other methodologies but i feel like it is incredibly effective at taking someone and teaching them how to work hard yeah and then creates team yeah camaraderie and you know um i just remember like it's not the working hard it's the working hard together that's the reason that the model of crossfit was so obscenely successful well i think when i look at the orthorexic person i don't think they give a shit about team I think they're more just like totally wrapped up in this feeling that they got. And um, like, for instance, there's this workout called DT. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. It's 12 deadlifts, nine power clean, nine hang power cleans, and six shoulder to overhead, like six jerks or six push presses mm-hmm. and five rounds of that. And so if you do that really fast, like really, really fast, you can do that in – you know, under 10 minutes and some people under five minutes, that is however many reps, however many vol- like pieces of volume for the average person to do that in under 10 minutes when in all regularity at that weight, like without the pushing, without the situation, 
that person probably would have taken three, four times as long. That's, you know, more intensity, working harder. And that's a great thing to be exposed to, the potential that you can work harder. Mm -hmm. What I saw was this person just continuing to just stack more of that on. If I did not reach this level of difficulty, this feeling of dying while I'm working out, it is not effective. I think oftentimes a person that, that has that deep, insatiable yearning to feel pain likely probably has some issues around feeling in general. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's the same thing. So it's you, like, it's yeah. like, it's like hard to feel. And so probably at some point, um, that person, you know, I, I, I like for, for me, I'm presently, uh, you know, full disclosure, like seeing a therapist and working on all sorts of childhood shit. Mm-hmm. And so my mind is very, you know, in that, that realm. So I apologize if I'm going too much into all that. No, no, no. That's this. Cause it's, it would be a shame if you didn't go down that route because that's essentially what all of this is. Yeah. Well, like that's, it, that's why I became obsessed with bodybuilding as a kid. I went from being a hundred and something stupid, 140 pounds or something, terribly crooked teeth, really awkward, misaligned bowl cut that my mom, bless her heart, would do for me. Um, parted down the middle, you know, Dawson, Dawson's Creek was like my, my thing, which now he lives out here. He actually became kind of, kind of not a friend, but like we know each other. Um, and, uh, I, that I did a transition from there into becoming obsessed with bodybuilding and obsessed with counting my calories. And I was, I was, I was quote unquote feeding, which I think is a, a weird term to apply to eating. Um, every two hours, you know, I'd have all of the protein smoothies and all the creatines and all the, you know, all the things. Uh, and I would just keep fucking training all the time. And I put on 70 pounds in a matter of like a year and a half, two years. It's just like, so the combination of the, the, you know, the, the steroids that I was experiencing through puberty, then endogenous steroids, uh, with just being obsessive changed everything real quick. It was good, but I was incredibly, incredibly imbalanced and I didn't address any of the reasons. Like what was the catalyst from the first place of like, why do I need to experience validation yeah. from other people in the form of, okay, you're big enough. You know, what's really weird is like, I never, <laughs> I never had, I never had that moment where I was like, <clears throat> I needed that validation. Cause I got that validation through literal just sports. Yeah. Athletics. You still yearn for the validation. Now I'm getting it. Yeah. Is right. what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, I, now I'm going through like that a, phase. Like a latent pattern. Yes. It's like a, a delayed, like yours happened in delayed, puberty. Delayed on, a lot of people. Delayed that, onset insecurity. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> that's it. We made it because up. Because you didn't have that. That's what a relationship so, is. So, so you that, have a relationship with your YouTube following and other people's YouTube followings. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship. Yeah. So you have a, right now what you're experiencing is you have a, you're, there's a doorway into you actually healing your shit. Mm-hmm. There was a latent pattern that you never realized was there. Now you engage with this relationship. Typically it's with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. That's the thing that really peels the heart open. And you're like, Oh my God, I didn't know this was a thing. And if people listening don't resonate with that, they don't really like get that. It's just cause you haven't gotten into that yet. Yeah. Like it will happen. That's really wild. <laughs> so it is it's the most healing thing. Yeah. In order to heal your shit, you need to have your, your face fucking pressed up against it. And you're just like, ah, Oh, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. That's the only way to heal. Yeah. And that's the, the literal translation of, I just had Gabor Mate on my podcast like a couple weeks ago. No way. He was on Rogan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, so we've, I've, I've 
I've done, I think like, I don't know, several with Gabor over the years. Um, and he, in his book, The Myth of Normal, he breaks, breaks down a lot of this stuff and he's really big on language. And one of the things that he shared with me is that, uh, the, the original meaning of vulnerable is like to be woundable, like to be able to be wounded. Um, you know, trauma means wound and the only way to actually heal is to be courageous enough to be vulnerable. You need to be willing to take arrows in order to actually be able to purge the shit from the past. If you're always shielded up, you're shielded from the outside, but you're also shielded from the inside and you will just stew and you will keep on being driven by these, um, old subconscious patterns that probably happened sometime in your childhood and you won't realize it and you'll call it, you know, what's that? There's a quote from somebody, but something along the lines of like, you're, you're until you, until you make the, the unconscious conscious, you'll be driven by the unconscious and you'll call it fate. Sounds like Freud. I don't know. He always talks about the unconscious. We look it up. Yeah. The unconscious guy. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's in like that realm is talking about the unconscious. So I don't know, but that's the thing. Like you got to hurt. You yeah. need to hurt if you want to heal. If you don't care about becoming a better person, becoming a, you know more at ease with yourself, uh, and that that ties back into physiological translations of being stuck in a chronically kind of like anxious state. This man, this woman. <clears throat> I also think that orthorexia. I mean, it, it's from my perspective the the issues that males deal with as far as body image is palpable because i'm a male and most of my audience is male yeah but palpable to you yes yeah um but the it's always been a disparity with body image and women and i feel like the orthorexia thing i've seen it manifested in women a lot um but honestly now that i think about it like yeah, probably more so in women, and and I swear to God, man, CrossFit is where I saw a lot of it. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's all it's it's so embarrassing, dude. I, I I had so I have a background doing manual therapy. Mm-hmm. So different manual therapy means like hands-on body work, you know, working using my elbows or knuckles or hands or whatever to get people's bodies better. Um, <clears throat> and at one point, I had an office in the uh, I think it's called LA. CrossFit. It was like one of the first like 10 CrossFits in the world or something. Um, and that was my original, it was in Los Angeles, obviously that was my, my original introduction really like being in CrossFit. Cause I was, you know, working with some people from there right. and I would like take some yeah. classes just to kind of have the experience. And I found it so shameful to look up at the board and see like the weights that I did or whatever. And I'd be like, fuck, like I have this story that if I'm not the strongest person or the fastest person or the the most whatever thing, then that hits on parts of me where I'm like, I don't feel good. Well, I would, I, I think, I think that is competitive. There's healthy, there's healthy aspects. Right, right. But where it becomes unhealthy is like, cool, I'm going to compensate and I'm going to, I'm going to just, just butcher this movement mm-hmm. in order to get more weight. And I'm actually going to have a mechanical breakdown in order to fulfill my, you know, my, my ego. Oh, that is, that is, that is, that is, cross, I call that there's yeah, a big chunk of CrossFit. Yes, that is, that. I call that that's the, the, pro- the yeah, problem. Yep. That's the, uh, you know, the Dunning Kruger, that is the cognitive dissonance factor that I've actually covered that quite a bit on my YouTube channel. 
Um, Isn't people, Dunning-Kruger when you, when you, the, the you, dumbest people think they know the most and the smartest people think they know yeah, the least? Yeah. And then there's like the little curve where you, where it like drops off in mm. knowledge. Mm. Uh, but I, I, um, I was thinking about this. So say that you have this cognitive dissonance in golf. Mm. Um, you, you're not going to injure yourself. Right, because like you just what you go harder in golf, you golf harder. No, you'd injure yourself in golf because it's so asymmetrical. Well, probably won't injure yourself swinging the club, but you're slowly building imbalances to the point that eventually something goes awry. Okay, so good point. I don't think that like so. There's trauma. There's like serious trauma that can occur in CrossFit. Right, and it, and, it, and and so when people are moving like shit, yeah, loaded intensity um, gets amplified. It, yes. will, it will flush out issues, which is why training people at a high level or training at a high level is cool because it it exposes you much quicker. Yeah, so so the the that's where I noticed a lot of it's the people who are typically twenty to forty years old, and they're very competitive in their workplace um they this is from years of of coaching crossfit as well they're competitive in their workplace and they um they they come to the gym with that same kind of intensity that same kind of competitive drive and their ego absolutely takes the takes over yeah and there's nothing that can punish you when your ego is uh in like a workout class so You've done jujitsu. I've done jujitsu. It's not a like if you have a big ego, like doesn't really matter. Some guy's just gonna smash you. Like it's just how it works. Like there is someone directly across from you that's gonna be like, hey, uh, just so you know, like I'm gonna kick your ass now. Like it doesn't matter how how much effort you put in and how good you think you are. I know I'm better than you. I'm gonna beat you until you realize, like, hey, let's take a step back, learn some processes that will help you be better at jujitsu and move forward. It's like the breaking of the ego. That happens in a lot of jiu-jitsu gyms, a lot of martial arts gyms. There's something across from you. There is nothing across from you in CrossFit. And I think, honest to God, that's why there are so many injuries amongst that particular population. Now, there's a distinct amount of CrossFitters that aren't like that. The regular people who aren't, they, they don't have ego. They want to learn the things the right way. They want to, to, to lift the right way. They want to move and be healthy and be better. And that's honest to God. I think CrossFit is a great place for that. Yeah. Personally, I have a bias because that's where I started. Um, but the orthorexia part is right. Orthorexia, you would call it orthorexic. Yeah. That is, it does tie into a lot of, I would say much like it's much less comparison based and much more like this one woman absolutely had orthorexia. And, uh, she was like, I cannot imagine doing that little volume in a day. Mm. She said that to me. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm done doing a workout. Like I did a pretty hard CrossFit workout for the first time in forever. Cause I was, you know, I was just like, I'll just do a CrossFit workout for fun. I was like, man, that's a lot of volume. She's like, um, if I did that little volume, I would go fucking insane. Mm. And I'm like, really? Mm. It was, she wasn't even, she wasn't flexing that she does so much. She was flexing that she has mental issues. Yeah. Right. Maybe. 
Yeah, or or maybe she just feel like exercise is a very supportive therapy. True, in a sense. and and your 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 but, muscles. But, but going too far is where where I'm getting at. I guess. But everybody has a different too far. Yeah. So it's like, who are you to suggest? Not that I'm like calling you out, but no. who, who are you to suggest that your too far has anything to do with her too far? And maybe her too far is like exactly perfect for where she's at. True, and it also could help her be. Uh, better mother sister yeah you know yeah she's got stress she's stressed out yeah some people have different amounts of stress on their plate and different people have different ways of offsetting that and you're at what point do you think it's damaging then once once it becomes damaging you know yeah once there's once there's there's i think i think that something's damaging as soon as so like something that I've been going through exploration of like addiction and like being honest with where I'm, you know, quote unquote addicted. Uh, and whereas it's just like, no, this is actually very normal. Um, and I think a, a addiction, likely a, a decent flag for where you'd be like, no, this is actually a compulsive addiction. It would be coming into a place where it's like, well, does it, does it deteriorate your relationships? Does it deteriorate your work does it deteriorate your sense of self-worth you know your what about sense of like does the absence of it deteriorate these things yeah that yeah, would be the same thing that would be the same thing <clears throat> yeah whether it's too much or too little you know it's it's like does your relationship to this to this thing actually spill into your life that it makes your life you know subjectively worse okay so then but it, you keep doing it okay so then again and you can't stop that would be this woman in that case. Does she agree that it makes her life worse? She would say that if I didn't do this level of volume, I would be, I don't know what would happen. Like uh, basically assuming that it, the worst, right? Like yeah. she, she would be well, being, I mean, for that, a person that, For a person like that, the greatest thing that they could probably do for themselves, because ultimately I think in an ideal world, we're not dependent on stuff that we don't need to be dependent on like we're fairly dependent on sunlight or dependent on meaningful relationships we're dependent on you know some level of nutrition and water and stuff um you know so within that it's like okay dependent you know it's like it's helpful it's generally objectively helpful uh but with something like that where it's like oh i need to do this crossfit workout or i'm gonna fall apart likely the invitation for that person would be okay what if you do the opposite if you do the opposite, probably there's going to be a lot of growth. If what you're actually seeking is growth, probably leaning into the thing that's not just your repetitive that's the habit over and over again will be the direction of that. So for some people, doing you know the hard thing isn't necessarily doing the hard thing. For some people, doing the hard thing is the easy thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, so for some person, it's like, cool, like the way that I don't have a nervous breakdown is I cold plunge twice a day. I, you know, run a half marathon. I do a CrossFit workout. I do, you know, all the different things. And like, that's how I don't implode and break down. So that's not hard. That's, that's you actually habituating yourself to this pattern that you're dependent on. The hard thing for you would to be just to sit with yourself. Would and you, so if you want, if you really identify as a person like, I'm, I'm like a hard thing doer kind of guy or girl. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, let's actually do the hard thing. Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing that's really actually the hardest for you. 
not just the thing that's the most gratifying. Sit and reflect. Just and sit meditate. and be with yourself. Yeah. When that shit comes up, you say, okay, cool. Like I need a, oh, I need a, I need to like run. You're like, cool. Like what that is, is this deep, probably very old nervous energy coming up to the surface and you have one avenue to express that out and then you feel temporarily more euphoric because you release the irisins and the bdnfs and you know all the different things that that, that come packaged with exercise which is great so good uh and if really you're you're really honestly wanting to do the hard thing and wanting to grow and evolve as a person oftentimes doing the thing that's not overtly hard is in fact the hardest thing i th- um so this is you know interesting you have the the obesity and i love that we're wearing the same pants right now that's the cutest thing in the world <laughs> are you fucking kidding me bro are you fucking kidding me dude <laughs> fucking let's go let's go dude <laughs> <laughs> so so you you have the you, you have the obesity on one side and then you have the uh ortho orthorex orthorexia yeah orthorexia on the other side um and what i've actually was just kind of thinking is like the people who are that kind of jump back and forth right mm-hmm. they'll 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 go all in on a diet and training mm-hmm. and they'll gain these practices of like orthorexia mm. not necessarily anorexia but really intense training and then flip right back and they'll flip right you know um maybe the answer to trying to find the middle of the two is working on mindfulness as well yeah right because that would help balance you like if you're worth if be you're in, too, be in the observation right. of why you do what you do so as opposed to being a slave to needing to do the things so the the orthorexic person the hard thing for that person is to stop and be with themselves. Yeah. The obese person, it might be like that they're, they're not moving, but they're also not being with themselves. Mm. The, the answer would be to maybe go and start working out, yes. but also trying to be mindful of why they're working out or, or things like that. You have to take those rest pauses. You know, you have to work out and rest and pause and reflect. Mm. You can't just dive into something and ha- not have a deeper intrinsic reason or else you're just going to fall back and hit the pendulum as it swings. Yeah. Yeah. It's like getting like Ayurvedic medicine. There's, the, there's, there's different, um, a person might be, you know, just different language for saying the same things, but a person might run like more hot, you know, a person might run more cold person right this is just a, a different kind of like metaphor for mm-hmm. internal state person might be more yang you know which is like active go a person might be more yin which is like introspective still you know it's it, but it's 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 not that going hard or introspecting and stillness is better or worse it's just can you maintain a healthy balance in between and are you able to actually allow that internal pendulum to swing left, swing right, you know, and have that full access to your full range of, of the human experience. If you are stuck in one realm where it's just like, I just go hard, bro, just fucking go hard. Like that's, that's all you got. Um, I think, yeah, I think there's a certain level of like incompletion there as a, as a person. I think there's like, this is a nice little theoretical. Experiment. At some point you gotta be a father, you know, at some point you have to be like, 
like a listener. At some point you might have to not like the thing for you to do isn't pick up, do a 500 pound deadlift. Like that's not the solution in this situation, bro. The solution in the situation is to like embody some feminine characteristics yeah. and just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be with this right now. Yeah. And that for that person, they might be underdeveloped in that aspect of themselves because they're so fucking go. Yeah. And so within it's like, cool, like great. But if you want to do the hard thing, probably you're going to need to lead into that other end. But if you're kind of, you know, all meditation and crystals and, you know, your joints are all just hypermobile and flaccid and your connective tissue is just kind of like hanging from your body and you just don't have any go for that person. You should probably hang out with somebody that's more of like a David Goggins type. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why relationships are so, are so meaningful and powerful because we're, we're influencing each other. Right. You're very good at playing devil's advocate against, uh, Chris. I watch you go do that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Not so much with me. <laughs> well, I think that's just because I will do it to myself uh, in the first place. I think he's much more direct. I think I've been contrarian to you throughout this. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, this is a nice little thought experiment is the maintaining between um, like say someone is obese. What I've seen a lot in the, the fitness industry is develop small habitual things that will get you to the place you want to be, which is the middle, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to go extreme and get into extreme practices or be able to also navigate extremeness though. So you don't that, want to not be able to go extreme. So either. the other option is intervention where you go, Hey, we need to change everything now. Like your life is fucking dependent on it. Mm -hmm. um, this is your medicine. You need to take your medicine. So you need to eat this way. You need to train this way. And if you don't, you should feel bad because it's going to kill you. Mm. Right now, obviously I think most people are going to lean towards that first option, but there has to be some level of argument towards intervention and going to the route of, Hey, let's cut a lot of shit out and then bring it back into the fray. Once we've developed some level of discipline. Is there any legitimacy behind that? Or is this just because? Yeah, like an exclusion diet. Yes. Like you don't know what you're allergic to. So, yes. Well, we're not so, sure. So let's just let's have intervene you, hard. Have you meet all eat? You have an clearly have an autoimmune condition. You probably have some kind of like leaky gut thing happening. Like you're not digesting right. We don't know what it is. Let's have you go, you know, Michaela Peterson. And we're just going to go full on, you know, carnivore. Just all we're going to do is eat meat. Mm -hmm. you know, and organs and nose to tail and all the things. And then it's like, wow, my skin condition is clearing up my, you know, these things are like, I feel better. And I'm allowing the spaciousness because I've removed the irritant to, I can start the process of healing, but that doesn't necessarily mean this kind of like extreme exclusionary diet for you. Maybe it is the best thing, but generally is an overarching statement, right. like an umbrella concept for all people. It's typically like, cool, let's exclude first so we can clear the board and be able to observe. Uh, and then from there, let's start to like a, like a scientific, uh, research study. We're going to start to add in some new variables and see how it affects you. I've seen a lot of success in exercise though, like that intervening with hard exercise. And then people being like, you know what? My lifestyle's changed a little bit. I can eat more. I can, mm -hmm. you know, relax. I'm probably one of those per people. Mm -hmm. Like most people in the fitness industry end up being that person. 
we end up getting super dialed in on what we're good at, which is for me was weightlifting and lifting heavy weights and doing it a lot mm. and showing people how I was improving. And now I'm kind of easing up and trying to live a better life, be healthy and set a better example, be cognitively better. I mean, I, I can always work on my brain mm. and my abilities there and my learning abilities and my speaking abilities. Those are things that I'm developing now. But it started with, boom, way on the other side. Yeah, that's fine. You know, Derek, more plates, more dates. I, I, t I brought, talked about him earlier. He was a hardcore bodybuilder. And now he just greases the groove when he can to feel better so he can work harder on these other projects. There has to be some, there. We, we can't, I guess what I'm getting at here is like, there has to be something other than, hey, let's develop these little atomic habits, these, these things. And, and it's all about a better lifestyle. Like what if we did intervene in an extreme way with people and then they learned something about themselves where they then could go and bring everything back down mm -hmm. to, to normal. Um, that's one of the tools. Yeah. Just a lot of different tools. I know that's but one like... of the tools. Let's push you all the way into like the darkest side of your habit. Yeah. It's like you catch your kids smoking cigarettes. You're like, cool. I'm going to get your court a carton. Cool. You want to smoke cigarettes? All right, let's let's smoke some cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could you imagine doing that? To it would suck. Kid? It would suck. Uh, it's uh, yeah. All right. Oh baby, we're pulling out the old Libro. Aaron Alexander, the Align Method. Yeah, read the read the blurb from from Laird. Where is it? Is it back here? Right here. Yeah. The Foundational Principles for Unlocking Peak Human Potential. Laird Hamilton, pioneering waterman and co-founder of XPT. You worked with him, right? No. No, we haven't. I haven't done like body work with him or anything. Who did you do? You did body work with Usher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. My man has had his hands on Usher. <laughs> did he write a song about you? In your hands? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. It was um, cool. we we one one time doing the Usher, so I worked with Usher for maybe span like a year, and um, in that time frame, one of the situations that was that was pretty cool was I would he would like call me out to his studio, and I'd come and like work with like him and his you know crew or whatever, and uh, it was a cool thing where he won the studio same studio that Michael Jackson created like thriller and all sorts of stuff that was cool but it was interesting getting to have the experience of being in the studio listening to him doing this you know beat or whatever and then like two weeks later walking around the mall in la and like this new usher song comes out and it's like all the rage i don't know what the song was but that was that was a kind of a cool interesting like moment where i felt pretty grateful it's like, such yeah, a dude like, thing if you did not cool. know what the song was too yeah i don't know, <laughs> you know? yeah yeah <laughs> You obviously like don't listen to Usher on your free time. I like Usher. Yeah, how could yeah, like, you not? Like how him. could you not like? I liked him a lot as a kid. That was really my Usher. Yeah, intro. yeah. Mm. Da, da, oh, so good. Da, 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 Music's so important. Yeah. Did you know that the there was a study from Albert Einstein College or School of Medicine, and they found that um, they were measuring the effects of different um, strategies to prevent cognitive decline, and they found that uh, dance specifically was the longest lever to prevent cognitive decline dance like to music particularly i think partner dance 
And the reason Ooh. was because it's like emotive. It's a lot, you know, hand-eye coordination, but it's the coordination part compared to I'm going to just sit hunched over in a, you know, artificially blue lit room staring into a crossword puzzle compared to I'm going to just do like bicep curls. It's the coordination part that really like lights the brain up. Wow. Mm. All right. The alignment, the align method, not the alignment method, the align method. Uh, Bro, you sound so stoked right now. I hate plugging <laughs> shit. I hate plugging. <laughs> I would, you know, it's like, I know you don't like plugging shit either. Right? No, you don't need to plug it. You, well, you need to talk about the fucking book. buy it, bro. Talk about the book. I don't need, whatever. Uh, buy it if you, you know, if you want to buy it. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I get like two bucks if you buy a bug. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, then just support my friend Aaron because he's a good guy. <laughs> Go to, what's your Instagram? Align Podcast. Align Podcast. And listen to the Align Podcast mm. as well. Uh, I need to listen to your conversations with Gabor. Because I yeah, find him great. fascinating after the Rogan stuff. So he's great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of his uh, stuff about childhood and like he's really against the grain, like of psychoanalytic uh, stuff. So a lot of traditional definitions around therapy and stuff. He's he's kind of created some, some pretty revolutionary perspectives. One thing that's interesting with Gabor is he. Um, I don't know if he was the first to introduce this perspective on ADHD, but he, he might, he probably was. Um, but the suggestion is that ADHD is a, a, a early onset childhood, um, like defense mechanism to uh, avoid the present moment because it's too much to handle. And so if you're a kid, you grow up in, so he grew up in, in uh, Budapest during the times of like Nazi invasions and such. I, I believe that's right. And he has like a, a crazy, crazy story. He's old. He's like late seventies or something. He's like an, an actual elder, which is cool to be around. Um, and so if you're in that situation where your parents are fighting, there's abuse, there's something that you're just like, I'm this sensitive little sponge of a, of a human organism and I just can't handle this situation, you'll learn to be like, cool, like flip the channel. And so now you start to program that into yourself of like, whatever's happening now, I just need to be somewhere else. Yeah. And now I get to somewhere else and I'm like, okay, I need to be somewhere else. And you program that from a young age. So that's kind of an interesting reframe that he's had on a lot of things, but ADHD is one of them. I definitely need to check that out. All right, man. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm can I, can I plug my, my program? Your you program. You don't want me to. Oh, I, I okay. No, what's I your program? The what's book? the deal with the program? The book. Is this a new thing? Yeah, we launched it the 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 early January. It's probably like January fifteenth or so. Like oh, so it hasn't launched yet. No. Oh, okay, but it's gonna launch. It's launching, baby. Okay. What is the program? Tell me. Tell me all about it. I'm sorry, I didn't Thank know what you meant, bro. No, it's okay. Um, so, <laughs> so first of all, the first week is free. So, if people want to actually get a baseline assessment of their range of motion of all the major joints in their body, that would be a great place to start. So just going through and get a baseline assessment. Uh, and then in the first week, we break down what I would refer to as um, mobility foundations. You know, so it's specific practice you'd learn from any PT or manual therapist or whatever. Everybody just needs to know these things. Mm -hmm. um, it's like PNF and pin and stretch and stuff like that. And just show you how to do that with yourself. Uh, and then the second week, 
goes through recovering full functional range of motion of lower body. Third week is upper body. Fourth week is connecting left to right, up to down. So kind of like throwing, running, punching, you know, all that stuff. Fifth week, nervous system regulation. Sixth week, environment. And uh, yeah, I'm super stoked about it. I've been like, it's like the digital version of the book. It's everything that I would want to offer a client. Um, you know, stuff that like work with, you know, Usher or whatever. These are like all the things that I'd be like, cool, like this is what we're doing. I yeah. need you to know this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that, that comes out early January. There's a waiting list now. We'll, we'll be able to accept 500 people into the program. I'm like very confident it'll fill up. Um, and the reason there's like 500 people is because there's going to be a live call at the end of each week where we talk and we can like, people can ask questions and we will like break down like, cool, like what are your trouble spots here? How do we fix it? Cool. And that's all at alignpodcast.com slash AMP, Align Method Program AMP. Sweet, dude. I had no idea about this. Oh, that's yeah. super cool. It's been like the main thing I've been focused on for the last six months. Oh, okay. So we're like, we're yeah. going, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very exciting. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Check it out. Alignpodcast.com slash AMP. AMP, baby. All right. That's it. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you, Doug.